Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. At this time, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are just so thankful that we can come together this morning in fellowship. Lord, to be blessed with the various musical talents that we have here. It's a gift that we can sing songs praising your name. I just ask as we turn our attention to the proclamation of your word that we allow your truth to penetrate our hearts. Especially as we focus on everything that Jesus has done for us and everything that is possible because of him, through him. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. Have you ever noticed anything about technology? Because we are continuing here in our sermon series, The Assurance of Salvation, or Testing Our Assurance. First John, the whole overarching book, has everything to do with the fact that we should be assured that our salvation is guaranteed. But I want to go back to my first question. Have you ever noticed anything interesting about technology? Have you ever noticed how technology actually mimics God? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about some of the technology that's out there and how it mimics God? Take television, for example. Television mimics God. Now, some of you younger folk might understand what a live stream is. A live stream attempts to mimic God. Now, some of you that don't know what a live stream is, you may be asking the question right now, what is a live stream? A live stream is when somebody broadcasts themselves and what they're doing, and some people do this pretty much all day long, 24-7, 365, all over social media on the internet. Now see, this technology mimics God's omnipresence. See, what is omnipresence? Everything happens before God. Everything happens before God. How about the internet? Does the internet mimic God? See, when we use the internet to gather information, we have almost beyond a national library's worth of information in the palm of our hands. This mimics God. Man-made technology, once again, mimicking God and his omniscience. See, omniscience means that God is all-knowing. And we're kind of getting used to that, aren't we? We rely on our technology for us to be all-knowing, having all this information at the palm of our hands. Look at military strength. Think about the world powers. Think about the U.S. military alone. All military strength is actually backed by technology, isn't it? See, this mimics God as well. This mimics God's omnipotence. See, God is omnipotent, which means he and him alone is all-powerful. Now, I said mimics. Do you know what the difference is? Do you know what the difference is between man-made technology and God himself? 
See, God runs on his own power. Take your mobile phone, for example. What about God does your mobile phone mimic? See, with your mobile device, you can place a call anytime, anywhere, can't you? Right? Is that true? Some of you are shaking your head. Some of you are saying, no. Do you think that's true or false? It's false. See, you can't make and place a phone call anytime, anywhere. You know why? Well, from the illustration that you see on your screen, you first need some battery power, don't you? And a cell reception. But the question is, what is it about God and what he has done for us through Jesus Christ that cell phone technology is attempting to mimic? Prayer. See, you don't need battery power to pray. You don't need cell reception to pray. And you can pray anytime, anywhere, no matter the circumstances. Church, technology attempts to mimic God. Do you know what all this means for us? Especially as it has to do with prayer. See, our cell phones are pretty reliable, aren't they? But they're not 100% reliable. So when we think of something like prayer, you know what this does for us? It gives us confidence. It gives us the confidence to know that we can confidently communicate with God at all times, anytime, anywhere. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, Confident Communication. Confident Communication. We have two sermons left in 1 John. It's been a long journey, hasn't it? Pastor Jared will wrap things up next week. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13, 14, and 15 this morning. Please follow along in your Bibles if you will. If not, do not worry. The verses will be on the screens. And see, we can't forget what we learned last week. Last week, we were encouraged in the fact that both God and the Holy Spirit testify that Jesus is God in human flesh. We saw that last week. We know that this testimony is significant, don't we? Because eternal life is only found in Jesus. Today, we're going to be reminded that we should be confident when we talk to God. And when I say talk, what I really mean is pray. We should be confident when we pray to God. We'll see how his response to our requests transforms our sinful perspective to his holy perspective. I want to say that one more time. We're going to see today how he responds to our request and how it transforms our sinful perspective into his holy perspective. So please follow along with me as we read 1 John chapter 5, verses 13, 14, and 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we do not, or if we do, if we do know 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Amen. When we break these three verses down this morning, we put them into this one sentence. Our sentence is this. Those who have eternal life are confident in their communication with God. Those who have eternal life are confident in their communication with God. Now, this statement begs us to ask this question. And this is the question we're asking this morning. Why are we so confident in our communication with God? Why are we so confident in our communication with God? See, we're confident in our communication with God because God answers all correspondences according to his eternal perspective. He answers our request according to his eternal perspective. Not our eternal perspective, but according to his eternal perspective. Some of you may remember the 1980s ad from Sure. Raise your hand if you're sure you guys remember that ad. I mean, nobody here wants to raise their hand, so either you don't remember the ad or you just aren't sure about if your armpits are sweaty or not. Living here in southwest Florida, I, I, I raise my hand like that. Sometimes after I get done preaching, my kids look at my armpits like, whoa, Dad. Now they're going to ask me to go to Walgreens and buy some Sure. See, we're in that sermon series, The Assurance of Salvation, testing our assurance. We believe here at Villa's Grace that God's Word teaches us the overarching theme of 1 John is that we can be assured of our salvation, that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit Himself until Jesus comes back, until the day of redemption. We cannot lose our salvation. No one can snatch us out of the Father's hand as Jesus himself says. We should be confident in our assurance. We should be sure of our salvation. So what do we see here in verse 13? Verse 13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It's a pretty constant, consistent theme in 1 John, isn't it? Look at the beginning of this verse. Take a look at the very beginning of this verse where it says this, I write these things. This is a reference to the entire book of 1 John. Now we've said this is the second to last sermon in the book of 1 John, but this is a reference going back to everything that he's already said. John says, I write these things. So to whom does he write these things? Who is he writing to? Who is his audience? Well, it's what we learned last week. It's those who believe that Jesus himself is God in human flesh. To those who know that they are sinners, that they know that they are sinful, in need of a Savior. So please allow me to ask you this question. Is this you? Are you confident in your salvation? Do you know that Jesus is God? He came here in human flesh and died upon a cross for your sin. Is this you? If so, thank you. Thank you. You should be excited about that. Good. 
We should be excited that this is us. You should be excited that this is you. And if that is true about you, look at the last six words of this verse. What does it say? Know that you have eternal life. So as a Christian, you should be sure. You should be certain. You know it's guaranteed that you have eternal life. Do you know what's unfortunate? Do you know what's unfortunate? See, what's unfortunate is some of us here today still wonder. Some of us here today are still questioning, do I have eternal life? Eternal life is a personal, individual relationship with Jesus. So, do you know Jesus personally? Do you? Then don't second guess your standing with him. Don't. Church, this whole entire letter of 1 John is for you. Why? So you can be reassured of your salvation. So do you know what happens when you're confident in your personal relationship with Jesus? When you have confidence in your eternal salvation? What happens is you're confident in your communication with God. You know that you can confidently communicate with Him. You're confident in your prayers to your Father. Do you know how we can be confident when we pray to God? We can be confident when we pray to God when we pray according to His eternal perspective. When we pray according to His perspective, our assurance of eternal life is evident. And it's the exact reason why we threw these three sentences into this one sentence this morning. Those who have eternal life are confident in their communication with God. It's the reason why we're asking this question this morning. Why are we so confident in our communication with God? We're confident in our communication with God because God answers all correspondences according to his eternal perspective. And now we get to break this down. Who loves I love Lucy? Yeah, that got so, yeah, there we go. I got some hands up on that one. That's amazing. Sure couldn't do it, but Lucy could. This is pretty cool. What you're looking at here is, to me, I, I love history. I love artifacts. This is an actual check that Lucille Ball wrote herself, 1955. She wrote this to the pool company who serviced her pool somewhere in Hollywood, California. Now, what's interesting about this check that we see here on the screen is it's a countersign check. And some of us know what that is, and some of us do not know what a countersign check is. But what a countersign check is, is this. It's when... One person writes the check and then somebody else has to sign it for it to either be cashed or deposited. Church, our prayers are just like a countersigned check. We may write the check and sign it, but unless God signs off on our prayers, it can't be deposited or cashed. And when we pray according to his perspective, he will cash that check 
or deposit that check every single time. And we see this in verses 14 through 15. John reminds us and encourages us as he writes this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, have, that we have asked him. Do you notice what's amazing about verse 14? There's something that's so amazing about verse 14 that's so encouraging for somebody who has confidence in their salvation. What's so amazing about verse 14 is the fact that God hears our prayers. That is so reassuring for us. In fact, the beginning of verse 14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. We need to be confident that our God will hear our prayers. So does God answer all prayers then just because he hears them? No. This doesn't mean that he's going to answer all our prayers. Well, not exactly. See, we cannot neglect the second half of verse 14. Because what does the second half say? It says that if we ask anything according to his will... He hears us. God answers prayers that coordinate with his will. I think a fair question to ask at this point is this. What is God's will? What is God's will? Well, we can easily define God's will by saying this. It's what he wants. It's what he desires. It's not to pray for what we want. It's not to pray from what we desire. Church, God is not a cosmological vending machine. You don't put a dollar in the slot and hit A1 and get what you want. We cannot make his decisions for him. God is the one and we cannot forget this, who countersigns the check. This is why it's important that we learn to pray from his perspective. Now, this sounds all great and good so far, doesn't it? Pray from God's perspective. Pray from his perspective. Pray according to his will, and he's going to answer our prayers, correct? But I know that there's a few of us here right now asking the question. How do I do this? How do I pray from God's perspective? How do I pray according to God's will? Well, we can start by praying like we're looking ahead and not behind. When we look ahead, we seek God's power to move forward. When we look behind, we surrender to the negative circumstances that are currently holding us down. Looking ahead is to see our future hope and what Jesus has done. Looking behind is to take the devil's word for it. Looking ahead is to know Jesus is the way that we can only persevere through whatever it is that we're currently going through in our life. Looking behind is to allow the fear of the unknown to be the liar. So specifically speaking, how do we pray 
according to God's perspective? Or how do we pray from God's perspective? Or how do we pray according to God's will? How do we actually pray these prayers? In what circumstances and situations do we pray like this? Well, we have some examples for you this morning. When we're tempted, we can pray and say, Lord, reveal to me the lies of Satan. Because temptation is nothing but a lie, isn't it? When we need to judge spiritual matters, because 1 Corinthians chapter 2 does tell us that we are spiritual people who judge spiritual things. So when we need to judge something that isn't between flesh and blood and it has more to do with the spiritual realm, we can pray like this. We can say, Lord, teach me to see how you see. When we need God's justice in our life, we won't want to take matters into our own hands and seek vengeance on our own. We need to pray, don't we? We need to be on our knees praying. And when we want to seek justice on our own, we can pray like this. We can say, Lord, teach my heart to know that you alone handle the wrongdoers. When we need wisdom, when we don't know what decision to make and we're asking the Lord for wisdom, we can say, Lord, how best can I respond to your holiness in the decision that I need to make? Think about that. How best can I learn to respond to your holiness? Because you're holy. How can I respond to your holiness in the decision that I need to make? What about just day-to-day -day living? Daily prayers that we need to be praying to ourselves each and every day. We can say, Lord, help me learn to remind myself of my future with you. Because life is hard. We lose focus. We lose perspective. Ask my children. Ask my wife. They see me lose perspective. They see me lose focus. I have to pray this prayer. Lord, help me learn to remind myself daily of my future with you. It kind of makes whatever you're going through on the daily basis seem minuscule, doesn't it? Knowing that you have all of eternity with Jesus. In tragedy. How about in tragedy? We all experience tragedy, don't we? In tragedy, we can, we can pray according to the Lord's perspective by saying, Lord, shape and mold me to be used to glorify your name despite my suffering. And finally, how about when we find ourselves being joyful? When we want to PTL or praise the Lord for something, we can pray to him by saying, Lord, nothing is possible without you. Church, what does verse 14 tell us? He hears us. God hears us. But it's like asking your kids to do the laundry or the dishes or whatever it may be. They may hear you. They just might not be moved to action. And obviously, I got a little bit of that going on in my household. When we pray, we want to move God to action. And we know that we can only do that when we pray according to his perspective. And when we pray from God's perspective, when we pray according to his will, he not only hears our prayers, but he responds 
to our prayers. He wants to reveal the lies of Satan to you. He wants you to see like he sees. He wants to serve out your justice for you. He wants you to respond positively to his holiness. He wants you to be reminded of your future with him. He wants you to bring his name, honor, and glory in the midst of your struggle and suffering. And finally, he wants you to know that it's only possible because of him. All we have to do is pray according to his will. Pray from his perspective. And we do this by looking ahead, not behind. So as Mike comes up and we read verse 15 again, let's keep that in mind. We need to have the perspective of God as we pray. We need to be looking ahead towards our future in Christ, not behind, because that's the lie of Satan, the father of all lies, the one who's been lying since the beginning. Verse 15 tells us this, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Our prayer lives, our prayers are only robust when we pray according to what God once. Our prayer lives are only satisfied when we pray from his perspective. So what does your prayer life look like? Do you find yourself praying from God's perspective? Do you find yourself praying from your perspective? Because if you find yourself praying from your perspective, those are limited prayers that go unanswered. Do you pray like you're looking behind or do you pray like you're looking ahead towards your future in Christ? Are you praying like you know that God countersigns the check that's going to get deposited or cashed? Or are you trying to double sign the check yourself? If you're praying from God's perspective or you have a heart that desires to learn to pray from his perspective more today than what you knew yesterday, then be encouraged today. This is a good day. No matter how you've been praying, this is a good day to be confident in your communication with God, especially when you know your communication with him is contingent upon his perspective. It's contingent upon his will. Because let's face it, if it's from our perspective or if it's according to our desires and our will, we stand upon nothing. His foundation, his cornerstone, who is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of the church. And that's exactly the song we sang this morning. We can be confident in our communication with God because of him and what he is doing. And that's the reason why this morning we said this. We said, those who have eternal life are confident in their communication with God. Why? Because we're looking forward. We're looking ahead. That's why we ask this question. Why are we so confident in our communication with God? Because we know that God answers all correspondences according to His eternal perspective. Amen to that? Heavenly Father, You are a gracious, patient, creator-sustainer. I just pray that Villa's Grace can be a church that represents this truth to our community, Lord. 
that when people see us, they see you. They see us seeking you in your will. And I pray that we can live out your will first and foremost to our neighborhood and then beyond. We pray all of this because Jesus himself has made it possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.